Welcome to the Bill Kelly Show podcast. On today's show, Hamilton counselors asking staff to prepare a blanket no pets policy for municipal facilities. We'll chat with City Councilor Brad Clark. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is meeting with uh, Premier Doug Ford in Ottawa. We'll chat with Richard Brennan, retired journalist with the Toronto Star. New high-tech shopping carts are being tested at a Sobe store in Oakville. Is this the future of grocery shopping? And we find CHML's Bill Kelly in Calgary as he gets set to watch the Grey Cup between the Tiger Cats and Blue Bombers. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Staff at Hamilton City Hall have been asked to prepare a no pets policy within Hamilton facilities. So motion of that effect has been approved by the Audit Finance and Administration Committee uh, after members voiced significant opposition to a recommended pet-friendly workplace policy. It would seem to mean that the mayor's days of bringing his dog Dash to the office are numbered. Councillor Brad Clark, one of the vocal critics of pet-friendly workplaces, and he joins us now on The Bill Kelly Show. Mr. Councillor, how are you today? I'm doing great, and I share your excitement that it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For a whole lot of reasons. (laughs) It's the most exciting day of the week. Well, actually, it's the third most exciting day of the week, followed uh, by Saturday and Sunday. Friday's Friday's pretty good. Uh, This decision, to me, seems to be a no-brainer. Leave your pets at home. I agree. So what's what, what, yeah? What was the discussion about? I mean, what what's what's the for? What's what's the the pros of doing this? I guess from the other the, side, the report came from staff. It was not asked for by council, so I'm not sure exactly what precipitated the report coming forward. And it talked about the mental health, well-being of employees, and all the positive things that bringing your pet to work can accomplish. Um, what was missing in the report was a fair weighting to the issues that I raise, which are individuals who have allergies. I have ridiculous allergies to cats. I walk into my my sister-in-law's house, and she has cats in the basement, and within five minutes, my face is red, and my eyes are crying, and it's just brutal. Um, and other people have um, a really a manic fear of dogs. And should we be putting our employees in a position where they have to speak out against their boss or another employee who wants to bring their dog to work and be seen as the bad guy? Is that an appropriate thing to do? I don't think it is. Do other municipalities allow their employees, whether it's at City Hall or wherever, to bring their pets to work? Uh, we were advised that there were a couple. Uh, Innisville has, has just started this, this uh, policy. Um, but again, it, it, from my perspective, I, I look at it. Sure. First, let me state, I'm a dog lover. I have do- I've had dogs my entire life. My dad was a canine officer. I helped train dogs when I was a kid, learned how to train dogs. I've helped train dogs my entire life. Dogs are unpredictable. We don't know how the owner trained the dog that brings the dog to work. We don't know the, 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 the state of mind of a dog at any given time. I've seen situations uh, personally where a German Shepherd's tail was stepped on, it got hurt, and it swung around and bit the gentleman on the arm. So it, it, it can happen that quickly. Yes, we've had no issues in the pilot that was, uh, was uh, implemented at Lister Block without council's knowledge, uh, but it doesn't change the risk, doesn't change the fact that we're putting our employees in a position where if they don't want to be around a dog or a cat, that they're now stuck in a position where they have to speak out against their colleagues or their boss. 
to, to me, uh, you know, a bring your pet to work policy could potentially lead to chaos. I mean, just picture this. What if a dozen people in the same department brought their dog or cat or both to work on the same day? Like, are we at work or are we at the zoo? Um, well, that's a fair question frequently in politics, but <laughs> 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 um, but specifically to the issue, I agree. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> bringing cats and dogs in, into a workplace and not, we, we cannot predict the behavior of any of the animals. And so while the owner may love the dog and the dog is loving and caring and, and, and never bites anyone at home, in a different environment, it might be different. In a certain circumstance, it might be different. And putting a number of them in one area, we've got 16 counselors here. If they all brought a cat or dog to work, um, it, it would be challenging to be diplomatic. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, the workplace should be relegated to the role you have with your employer. I mean, there's an understanding, here's the here's the job role. Uh, do you fit all the parameters that, uh, you know, you can achieve to, uh, you know, get results, whatever your job is? In no part of anyone's contract or em- employer-employee relation do pets kind of factor into the, <laughs> into the equation. And dog uh, and, and cats, I mean, they still have to find a place to go to the bathroom, so there's going to be kitty litter involved. Dogs, the dogs, depending on the dog, the breed of the dog, the size of the dog, they have to go to the bathroom frequently. Who's going to be taking the dog out? So if it's the employee that's doing it or the employee's assistant that's doing it, we're really creating a system where we have, you know, one of the most expensive dog walker programs in, in the world. On the taxpayer's dime, I don't think that's acceptable. So my, I agree with you. From my perspective, my dog stays at home. I go home, I hug my dog, I play with my dog, but that's where my dog will stay. It is not for work. We're chatting about a no-pets policy being worked on uh, in the city of Hamilton. Our guest is uh, City Councilor Brad Clark here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Bill. Uh, you mentioned the pilot program at Lister Block. Uh, when did that happen and, and what happened? Uh, apparently it was a number of years ago. Um, I think it was 2007. I'm going by memory. I could be mistaken. Um, but it was not brought to, to council's attention, so council never approved it. Um, and I raised that as a concern because health, safety, issues of liability are matters that should, on policy, should be coming to council. Um, we were not consulted, and we were not provided a policy uh, to approve. And so I, I had serious concerns about that happening. Was there a positive impact on that pilot? Do we know the, what the results were? Yes, the Human Resources Department reports that there were very few incidents and that uh, overall it was a positive experience. I'm paraphrasing. Interesting. Now, there would be exceptions, obviously, to this no pets policy. I mean, if you work at animal services or, you know, you're a canine officer, you need to be around animals. Yes, the the motion that um, the committee approved does exactly that. It, It specified Hamilton Police, for example, animal control, animal services, it specified service dogs. Uh, so we, we try to acknowledge where exemptions are n- necessary. Interesting stuff. Councillor Clark, thanks for the time today. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. Brad Clark, City Councillor, City of Hamilton, talking about a no-pets policy that is now being formulated after yesterday's vote at the Audit Finance and Administration Committee, 6-2 to two was the vote. So there were two individuals 
uh, one of which I know was Counselor Maureen Wilson, because she was alone in speaking in support of taking your pet to work policies, calling it a, quote, wise investment in a healthier workplace, whether it be physical activity or mental health. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Money will probably be a topic of discussion today when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Ontario Premier Doug Ford meet in Ottawa. The sit-down is uh, the latest in a series of in-person talks that Trudeau's having with provincial leaders after receiving a minority mandate last month. He's met with uh, Scott Moe from Saskatchewan, Manitoba's Brian Pallister, uh, and a few others. And uh, today... He's going to sit down with Doug Ford. Now, Ford yesterday saying that he's going to bring a collaborative message to the meeting, despite the frequent attacks that the PM launched against him during the federal election campaign. Ford is also going to lead a council on provincial-federal relations. It's going to include several senior cabinet ministers, and, uh, well, the hope is to work with their federal counterparts on priorities such as infrastructure, uh, economic growth, health care, those kind of things. Richard Brennan is a retired journalist with the Toronto Star and joins us now on the Bill Kelly Show. Richard, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Not too bad at all. So maybe we'll start with what do you expect to hear following today's meeting between Trudeau and Ford? Well, n- there won't be anything decided. I mean, it's, it's really just a ch- it, it's more of a chance of the two to kind of mend some fences after he uh, you know, after Trudeau used him as a punching bag during the uh, during the election, but I think this is an opportune time for uh, for Premier Ford to rise above the rest. You know, you you got all the disrest out you know out west, and here here's here's a guy that can you know be the uh, you know kind of a conciliator and saying you know I'm really I'm really and able to work with the federal government. And, uh, and 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 stand out in that way. I think he's in a good position, quite frankly. Now that that is the hope, but the question is because I'm not sure these two guys get along. Can they work together? Well, they have to. I mean, Ford has to work for the federal government. I mean, it's it'd be foolhardy, and uh, and I, you know, I don't think Mister Ford is a fool. I he, he know he, he knows how to play the game. He knows he has to work with the federal government to get the kind of money they need to to bring in the particularly the transit uh, systems that they want to uh, improve and, and and new ones as well. And that's a lot of dough. He has no he has no choice. So you don't but to work with them. Ford has suddenly become you know captain collaboration. So you don't think this is a ruse. This is him genuinely trying to be a good guy because he knows there's a lot of money, a lot of funding from the federal level at stake here. I do. I mean, he's he's playing. He's you know he's playing both sides against the middle here. He's you know he's he's telling the West you know he's got you know he agrees with the West that they're not they're not being treated well. But he's also dealing with now the the prime ministers he's saying yeah i know you know we, we've got to get together for the country we've, we've got to get together for toronto we've got to get together for ontario and that's what they'll be doing there'll be no major decisions believe me uh, today but it really is, is, is setting setting the table more than anything 
Our guest is Richard Brennan, retired journalist with the Toronto Star, covering uh, provincial and federal politics and politics to a T uh, for many years, and uh, is joining us here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Bill today. Now, Ford is also going to lead, as I mentioned, a uh, provincial federal relations council. Does it make sense that he's the head man, giving that, you know, there's all this alienation talk coming from the West, there's constant grumbling from Quebec, no one's really paying attention to the Maritimes. Does it make sense that Ford is the guy? Well, Ontario is always, and we're going back to, you know, back beyond Bill Davis years. Ontario has been, the, you know, has been the uh, the peacemaker, if you will, the mediator. And, and I, I don't think that role is going to change despite despite the problems that the that two men have. But is it going to be effective? Like, is anything going to get done other than a bunch of men and women kind of grumbling that, uh, you know, they're in dire straits or they need help? Well, for a lot of people, just look at it and say, you know, it just is whining. But no, this has to—they've got to sit down with, you know, maybe Ontario is being the peacemaker, and they've got to sit down with with the Western provinces and and listen to their concerns and see what can be done to address those concerns. There's there's no question they have to do that. You you just can't sit back and and let, you know— a province or two provinces, I should say, kind of swing in the wind, and and when during economic bad times for them, you have to deal with it. Well, you know what? It's going to be fun to watch, if anything, and uh, we'll hear what uh, Mr. Ford and Mr. Trudeau say after today's meeting. Uh, Richard, really appreciate the time today. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Rick. You too. Richard Brennan, a retired journalist with the Toronto Star, chiming in on uh, his thoughts of today's meeting between Trudeau and Ford. Uh, we know that frequently during the federal election campaign that uh, Trudeau was all over Doug Ford as he was going up against uh, conservative leader Andrew Scheer, tying him to Ford, whose popularity has really been sinking since uh, you know he was elected to office. The government says its priorities will include, and when I say the government, the provincial government, its uh, priorities for this uh, provincial Federal Relations Council is going to be pushing for increased funding through Canada Health Transfers. So this is their efforts, or one of, to end hallway health care, quote-unquote. Removing red tape, we know there's a lot of that. Never mind at the provincial federal level, there's a ton of that at the municipal level as well. And another of the key priorities of this uh, provincial Federal Relations Council is to attract international investment to all areas of the province. And, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's what these individuals are in their places to do. Not just run the province, but run it effectively and efficiently and get a lot more dough in our coffers so we can do things like improve our transit system, improve our roads, improve our health care. So maybe the new... Captain Collaboration, as I'm calling him, Doug Ford, is going to get things done. Well, let's hope. I mean, that's the hope. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Shoppers pushing one of 10 new smart carts at a Sobe store can scan their items on the spot, track their total bill, and accept payment, which means they can skip the cashier or self-checkout altogether. What kind of country do we live in? 
Artificial intelligence-equipped carts are the latest aspects in grocers' efforts to streamline the shopping experience as consumers become increasingly accustomed to convenience. Despite all the advancements found in a modern grocery store, customers are still required to gather all their groceries, unload them at the checkout, then place their purchases in a bags, and away they go. Well, Selby's announced late last month that it purchased 10 smart carts that it is starting to pilot at an Oakville location. Matthew Lucasay is the Vice President Retail Support at Sobeys and joins us now. Matthew, how are you? Good morning. Good, great. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thanks for joining us today. So maybe let's talk about the technology. How does this work? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, you, you said it very well. It's, it's a smart cart that we just launched at our Sobeys Glen Abbey location. And it's a... Uh, it, Think of it as kind of a self-checkout on wheels. So you can do everything directly on the cart. You can scan your products. You can weigh uh, produce or, or weighted articles. You can also look at your total. You can understand promotions. Um, so, you, yeah, and you can pay right at the end. So you can do everything right off the cart. And then you just wheel out of the store and away you go. Exactly. Is there any, and I, I, this just popped in my head, is there any worry that someone would steal this cart? I don't know, for whatever reason. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed that last question, sorry. Is there any worry that someone would steal a cart like this? Oh, well, that's all part of the pilot. Hopefully we don't learn it uh, the hard way, but um, we, we do have some processes in place at the store, so that doesn't happen. That's good. But our focus is really on the customer experience and making sure that it, it is seamless. Uh, theft is, of course, an issue, but uh, our focus is really on the experience. So what do you hope this pilot project tells you? What do you hope to learn? Uh, we definitely want to learn how the experience is like, like um, from one end to the other, of just starting with the cart all the way down to, to paying. Is there any potential pain points still that we need to address? How is customer, how are customer reacting to that new technology? Uh, it is innovation, right? So people, they will have a learning curve with it. We want to understand it uh, and, and be able to adjust and, and then launch um, to all the customers. Uh, so you're going to hear from customers. There's going to be kind of a, a public input uh, application to this pilot project. Absolutely. So right now we're still working on training our employees at the store. So they act as kind of, of customers. We enlarge that to our head office Sobeys employees that are also trying the cart right now and some selected customers. So we do get some feedback. And as we move forward, we'll uh, start having the feedback from real-life customers as, as we go during the pilot. How long does the pilot run for? Um, there's no specific date at which we, we finish the pilot. It's really about understanding the experience. Uh, we're doing that proof of concept at the Glen Abbey store. Um, we have to remind that in the next few weeks it's holiday season, so this is also uh, being taken into consideration. Uh, so there's no specific date. We're chatting with uh, Mathieu Lacroixer, Vice President Retail Support at Sobeys, talking about a new high-tech smart shopping cart that is being a test run at an Oakville Sobeys store. Why Oakville? Um, we looked at a couple of uh, locations. The Oakville was a good choice for a different reason. First one, we have a great customer representation there that is representative of other uh, regions. Two, we have strong management there. So whenever you're doing a pilot or a test somewhere, you want to make sure that the team and the management team at the store is strong, and, and we have that in, in that location. So we just looked at a couple of factors and, and decided to go to that store. 
is there a plan to expand the pilot to other stores or, or do you have to see something uh, or does something have to happen for uh, you to say, okay, let's now let's push it out to other stores? There's, there's no specific plan. This is still considered a pilot and a test. Of course, we want this to be successful and then look at other potential location. Right now, I, I can tell you what the next store is because uh, there's no specific plan. Uh, we want to focus on the experience and then decide uh, where we want to go next. We're chatting about a new smart shopping cart that has been launched as part of a pilot project at uh, Sobeys in Oakville. Mathieu Lacusser is the Vice President of Retail Support at Sobeys, and you're listening to The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Bill. This type of high-tech shopping, as we've seen with you know automated or self-checkouts, replaces the need for cashiers to a point. Are more grocery store jobs going to be lost, or are those workers, are those cashier is going to be placed on the floor to help customers that's exactly it it's not the goal is not to cut the goal is to be able to free up some time and that that's exactly what we're doing as part of the pilot is training these employees so that they are available to help the customer and then have those discussions about a great recipe or a product help them with the technology so it's definitely not about cutting it's about reinvesting and making sure that our customer experience is great by reinvesting those hours. Do you ever see, and I'm not just talking about Sobeys here, but do you ever see a time where we won't need cashiers, everything will be a smart card or a self-checkout, and the employees in the store will be quote-unquote floor people or helpers? I'll probably be much older. <laughs> uh, so if you look at Duane Abbey, it's 10 cards, right? 10 smart cards that we're testing right there uh, in a fleet that maybe 200 regular cards. So um, it's it's not about replacing. The way I see it, it's about adding an option. So we do have regular lanes. We do have self-checkout in that store. And now we added the smart card. So the same customer, based on the type of shopping they're doing, they might want to check out in a different way. So to me, it's adding an option uh, to the, the different ways of checking out in a store. Is there a fine line between expediency and customer service? Because there's some shoppers who just want to get in and out and that's it. They want their stuff and they want to leave the store as quickly as possible. Others want to do that, but they also want that customer service kind of assistance as well. How do, how do you find that balance? Um, I, I believe it's in the experience itself. So, for example, if we take the cart... There's a, a screen Im- embedded with the cart that could eventually, uh, not in the pilot phase, but we are, we're already looking at future advance uh, of this technology, interact with the customers in terms of promotions, in terms of recipes, in terms of uh, helping you wayfind uh, a product in the store. So to me, this is adding to the experience, um, but not losing that contact that we have in a certain service point in the store at customer service desk, at uh, the meat counter, for example, the deli counter. So to me, it's a combination of all that, and it's understanding how technology adds uh, to the current experience. I've seen a couple of photos of this uh, quote-unquote high-tech shopping cart, and if there's one downfall, there's no room for a child seat because basically the computer apparatus and the weigh scale, if you're buying produce, occupies that area of the shopping cart. Um, do you expect any feedback in that regard? 
Well, you could put your, your child in the cart, but you, you'll need to find the, the product uh, number for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm, ju I'm just kidding. So we're partnering with a, a young startup that's called Caper, and they're, they're working on other versions. So what you're seeing is the first version of that cart, but already we're thinking maybe about a smaller version, a bigger version, a version with a, a child seat. Uh, nothing is being finalized yet, but these are the discussions um, that we're having with that young startup that's very energetic, that and they always want to advance their product and come up with a new version of it. It's a really interesting idea. I hope it works well for you guys, and maybe we'll see it in a bunch of other grocery stores or other stores, period, uh, in terms of uh, helping us uh, not only get to A to B a lot quicker, but uh, improve our shopping experience. Matt, you appreciate the time today. Right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Mathieu Lacoussier, the Vice President of Retail Support of Sobeys. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. As we know, the Grey Cup just a couple of days away. Thousands of fans are flocking to Calgary. Grey Cup's for everyone. Everybody enjoys everybody's company. You meet new friends and year after year you see them. It's all about football fans. So it doesn't matter if what team you cheer for, we're here for the CFL. I have a lot of uh, CFL family, in quotations, uh, friends of mine that I've met from Montreal all the way to BC. Of course, we poke fun at each other, but in the end, it's the love of football. And it's the love for our league. It, it's our league. That's what unites us. That's, that's what brings us together. And, yeah, it is a melting pot of CFL fans. If you've ever been to a Grey Cup, uh, maybe you were here in 96 at Old Iverwind Stadium, and you went to a bunch of the parties. Maybe you were in Toronto just a few years ago, just down the highway, going to the convention center where all the different teams were set up. There's fans from around the league who congregate, share stories, yeah, poke fun at each other, but it's all in good fun. CHML's Bill Kelly is going to be at the game on Sunday, and he joins us now. Bill, how are you? Well, excited, actually. <clears throat> you know, we're two hours behind you, obviously. It's uh, just after 9 o'clock here. <clears throat> and uh, the buzz is still in the air, of course, about the awards ceremony last night. I mean, you know, we're a little group of Hamilton fans here all together, and we're just having breakfast and saying, speedy this and speedy this. So there's, a, there's a, a, an excitement in the air. But that, that, as you just mentioned, Rick, that happens with a great couple, no matter where the city is. But it's kind of special, I think, this year for Tiger Cat fans. Yeah, and uh, you've been to a number of Grey Cups, and that's what it's all about. It's CFL fans, whether you're a Rough Riders fan or you cheer for the Lions or Argos, Ticats, Red Blacks, whatever the case is, it's just fans getting together, they share a common interest, and they're there for a great time. Well, sure, and, and you notice that as you get closer to, to the weekend and game day itself. Now, there's, As you know from Pastrick, there's a number of different activities going on. Of course, there's the alumni lunch, there's a number of different things and, and events that you can attend to, depending on... Well, you know, which city we're in. Well, like a lot of the stuff's going to be at the convention center here at, uh, at, in Calgary. But the reality here is that, as you say, it's all family. You know, the, the, the people from Edmonton, from Regina, the people from Regina show up everywhere. And no matter where they are, there's always a few hundred of them. But, you know, you've got the bands and everybody in the regalia and, you know, their team colors and things like that. But it's uh, it's all for fun. And everybody just has a blast. And starts talking about CFL football, which is obviously a pretty hot commodity these days. No doubt about it. I remember calling or a, um, interviewing a fan. Uh, this was, I think, back in 2013 or 2014 when the Cats were off to face either the Rough Riders or the Stampeders. And there was a couple of fans who had a pin from each Grey Cup that they went to, and they were 30 pins deep. So they've got 
on to 30-plus Grey Cups over their fandom of the Canadian Football League, which is phenomenal because, I mean, they're spending their hard-earned money to go to the championship game, whether their team is in it or not. It's great to see. Well, it's for some people, it's, it's an annual trek, right? I mean, they just planned. It's going to be in Calgary. Well, we better start saving our money. We better book. I mean, you know, Rebecca and I have been doing that for years now. And, uh, it, you know, it's... it's 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 worth it once you get here. I mean, you know, getting up at five in the morning to catch a flight, which means nothing to me because I get up long before that <laughs> ready for the show anyway. So right. that's like sleeping in for me. But you see a lot of bleary-eyed people at the airport. Like, uh, but but by the time they land and we're here, it's like okay, everybody's energized because this is this is the Canadiana event every year. And and you're right. By the way, you talked about you know pins and memorabilia. There's a lot of trading going on back and forth too among an awful lot of the fans. We sometimes actually have developed friendships. I'm talking to a few people over the last couple of years that only see each other at Grey Cup. You know, one, one might live in Penticton, the other one might live in Ottawa, and they, they obviously go back and forth on email and things like that. But their face-to-face meeting every year is usually where the Grey Cup is, and, and that, that's kind of special. How happy are you to see the forecast on Sunday, a high of three and a mix <laughs> of sun and cloud? Like, that's tremendous. I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, I can remember the first, well, the Great Cup, the 100th anniversary was inside the, the, the Sky Dome Rogers Center, yeah. whatever it was. So that was that was okay. But the, the, the subsequent win in Toronto three years later was at BMO Field. Uh, and I, I brought back ugly memories of me watching the Blue Jays there back in the first couple of years, you know, when they <laughs> played right down at Exhibition Stadium. The wind just howls off there, and it was snowy and blustery and cold. And I thought, well, it's going to be better. And then Ottawa, a couple of years ago, uh, it was a, a perfect storm of miserable weather. I mean, it had a forecast that was not too bad. I think it was going to be like two degrees or something. So we dressed appropriately. But all of a sudden, it started to snow. And I mean, really heavy snowfall. Wow. Uh, and, and it snowed for about an hour, hour and a half. And everybody got wet, no matter where you were. And then the wind picked up. So it was a very uncomfortable day. I think I explained to you that the, 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 the washrooms, the lineups were about a mile long at each one of the washrooms just to get to the hand warmer. <laughs> wanted to dry off and get your gloves dry. So I don't anticipate that's going to happen in Calgary, though. It looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day. A little cooler than that, though, because it'll be, well, 4 o'clock game time here, 6 yeah. o'clock back in Hamilton. And after they do all the ceremonies and the coin toss and everything else, it's probably going to be closer to 6.30. So the sun will be down by then. It'll be a little chilly. But uh, we've, we've prepared for it. <laughs> we've prepared. I got the, I've got the thermal gloves and the thermal boots and the thermal discs. And the parka and everything else. So I'm ready to go. And uh, we're, we're, there's a group of Hamilton fans that, uh, that we see every one of these Grey Cups. Uh, some of them still aren't here yet. They'll be here later on today. But uh, we all sit in the same general area right now. So we've got our own little cheering contingent. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Sunday the high is going to be 3. The low is minus 4, which again isn't too bad considering midweek the high in Calgary is going to be minus 11. So you and a bunch of other fans who are going to be at the game at McMahon on Sunday have really lucked out. So we got to talk about the game. We only have a minute here. What do you foresee? What What's in your gut? Winnipeg's on a roll. Uh, let's not make any mistake about that. You know, they, they deserve to be here. They beat two very good football teams to get here. Uh, both on the road, and that's that's as you've talked about in the past on the fifth quarter, Rick. That's a pretty tough road to hold. So there, you know, we think we've got momentum. So do they. Uh, it, you know what it all comes down to, and it sounds like a cliche. It's going to be execution. We know we've got an incredible coaching staff. We know we have great talent. I mean, Dane Evans has been the best quarterback in the league since Labor Day. I hope he continues that trend. If we play up to our potential, and and I don't don't have any reason to think that we can't. Uh, I think we bring the great cup home along with all those uh, individual trophies. Should be a lot of fun. Bill, appreciate the time on your own show. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Oski wee wee. You got it. Bill Kelly in Cowtown this Sunday to take on or to uh, take in 
the uh, Ticats and Blue Bombers at McMahon uh, should be a fun game. Again, I think most of us here in Hamilton, maybe all of us who cheer for the Cats, say, yeah, they got it. Some of us more confident than others, knowing that, hey, Winnipeg's a tough opponent. And you just never know, in a one-game championship affair, that anything can happen. Uh, Just some final stats from the Twitter poll that I sent out. Who's going to win the Grey Cup on Sunday? Ticats or Bombers? 88%. Say the Tiger Cats will win on Sunday. 12% say it's going to be Winnipeg. Should be a great game wherever you are watching the game. Enjoy it. Win or lose, it usually is an entertaining affair. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.